Hi, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the Coaching Call podcast. On this podcast, we'll cover various types of coaching by trainers in sports, martial arts, fitness, and business. We'll discuss each coach's methods to getting the most out of their respective athletes or clients and how they attempt to change the platform in which they coach. Join us on a fun adventure as we discuss unique coaching styles. We've all been coached before, in school, at work, or on a team. Your first coaches were your mom and dad who taught you how to communicate, tie your shoes, or play a simple game of catch. Coaching is a universal part of how we get others to get something done. Join your host, Raphael, and his guests on this unique journey in coaching. Hi, I'm Sifu Raphael, and this is the Coaching Call Podcast. If you enjoy this episode, please subscribe and leave a review. This episode was made possible by listeners like you. If you enjoy my show, go ahead and buy me a cup of coffee. Make it a large. To donate, go to paypal.me slash Raphael. That's S-I-F-U-R-A-F-A-E-L. I'm trying to keep this podcast free of advertisements. Anything you can donate is greatly appreciated. Thank you. Resilience is being able to rise to that physical challenge or the mental challenge, emotional challenge, whatever it is, and then come back to rest. My guest today is Erica Thomas. Erica is a highly caffeinated coach, course creator, and entrepreneur with a certification collection that includes registered yoga teacher, trauma release exercise provider, and nutrition specialist. Erica, thank you so much for joining me on Coaching Call. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you for having me, Raphael. Oh, it's my pleasure. My pleasure. I was reading your bio and I love the way you wrote it. (laughs) So many people don't really express themselves in their bio. Talk to me. You put caffeinated in your bio. I love that. (laughs) Talk to me about that for a second. Well, you know, when we when we start to describe ourselves to other people, you know, you only have so much time to kind of convey a lot of information. Yes, yes. Right? You may only have a few moments with someone. And uh, as I have been exposed to a lot of different areas of business, I've been trying different bios, right? They want you to um, kind of create your elevator pitch, uh, one or two sentences. Right. And, and I'm a very creative person and most people know that about me who, who know me well. And I, I felt for a long time that my bio was really stark, you know, Mm. and what you say about yourself should really share something about yourself as long as you're comfortable doing that. Right. We don't have to be so, um, so cut and dried business, 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 you know, And uh, I really, I am a highly caffeinated person. That is actually my, uh, my go-to thing. Um, And energy has always been my number one thing, Mm -hmm. right? So throughout my whole career, like the whole point of my being an instructor or even exercising on my own fitness was always about energy for me and um, how to fuel my body was just one of those pieces. And, um, and it is, 
I have in the past tried to like give up the whole caffeine thing. I really have um, just as, you know, a point of data for myself. Like what am, what am I like without the caffeine? <laughs> we check back in every once in a while and that's fine. But I love coffee and I can't be um, apologetic about that anymore. I mean, this is it's, you know, harmless, really, in the long run. <laughs> Of well, all of the things. So here's my cup, right? Was my cup? Oh set? yeah. Oh yes. I love it. I right. love it. Yes. Well, I'll share mine as well. Have some I know. That's right. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. Let's take a what Let's is it? A sip. simultaneous sip like yes. uh uh other people do. All right. Mm-hmm. Cheers. It's a happy day. Mm-hmm. I could probably go maybe two days without coffee just with the level of caffeine that I've got in my system. And then I would need to get more. So it's okay. I, I mean, everybody has a thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, look, I'm Colombian, right? If you, if you want to take my blood first, you have to go through the coffee and then you can get some blood. Right. It's okay. But you know, what, what are the things that I always test myself on who controls me. Is it me? Yeah. Or is it my environment? Or is it Mm. other people? Mm. So every so often I'll say, I'm not going to drink coffee for eight days, seven days, nine days, a month. And I do the same thing with anything. Let's say I I really like something. I'm like, "Hmm, I'm going to not have it. Just to prove to myself that I'm the one in control. Right. 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 And and you know what? That is a really that is a really good thing to do for people, because sometimes we are doing things that we are, you know, are just they become habit patterns from a lifetime. Yeah. And I. we want to have some mindful choices, right? We want to be assured that whatever we are putting in front of ourselves is, you know, intentional. Yeah. We're, we're making an intentional choice about this. Now I will say about whether it's coffee in the morning or it's wine at the, in the evening, what I've found is that for me, it's not necessarily about the, the, coffee in the cup it's about the ritual of the activity in the morning right that is what i crave and what i find in the afternoon when my energy starts to dip it's not necessarily the caffeine that i'm craving it's that ritual that uh that i mean we we throw this term self-care out but but for me it is uh that ritual taking care of myself just for a little moment pulling myself out of the day and that's what I really want. So it's something to think about. And maybe your listeners can notice this too, like throughout their day. Is there a time where you're craving something? Just pause for a moment and think about it. What is it about that thing that really you love, right? Is it is it the action or is it the substance in there that is what it is that you're craving? Yeah. You know, one of the things that you said is the order, right? You said coffee in the morning wine in the evening as long as you don't mix that order up (laughs) (laughs) right right yeah because you know what some people start with a glass of water uh, water some people start with a glass of wine that's true that is true you should be careful as to what we put in our body period absolutely absolutely Um, absolutely and as a fitness expert yourself i've read a thousand articles about how 
coffee is no good for you working out. Mm. And then I've read another thousand articles on how it's good for you. Mm -hmm. So here's the thing, right? We're both fitness professionals. And what is it that people can actually believe? Right. When there's such controversy on certain topics. Yeah, it's confusing. There's controversy on everything, right? Especially with fitness. Right. So here's the thing. So so in the fitness industry, as as the professional in the fitness industry, we're curators of information. Right. And even for us, those all those articles, those scientific articles, one way or the other, whether it's coffee, whether it's eggs, whether it's, you know, high intensity exercise, like whatever it is, you can find whatever idea that you want to promote. You can find, you know, evidence for that. For people, pro or con. Mm -hmm. So what I like to do for my clients is, first of all, (laughs) help them to become their own expert witness in the body. Mm -hmm. And this is not something that happens instantaneously just by saying those words. We have to (laughs) really be present in the body and learn because nobody teaches us. We need to learn how to observe and become aware of the messages that the body is sending us, right? right? Because everybody reacts to, let's talk about, we're talking about caffeine and coffee here. Everybody has a different physiological reaction to a substance like caffeine. Mm -hmm. I can drink a lot of it and still be okay. My husband cannot. Mm. He can have a small glass of coffee in the morning. If he has any more of that, or if it's later in the day, it it upsets his stomach. It keeps him up all night. He's just very, very sensitive to that. So people have different sensitivities to things like caffeine. Does it have a, can it have a positive ergogenic effect for performance? Yes, it can, but not if you drink the copious amounts of caffeine like I drink, because I have such a high level of that. Drinking more of it isn't going to help me perform better because I'm already used to it. The ergogenic uh, effects of of caffeine in athletes in those in those studies that you're talking about, those papers that you're talking about, Mm -hmm. those come when you don't normally drink caffeine. And then you can see in those studies that really they're not they're not. Uh, consuming very much of it. It's very, very little. So, you know, it, it, there is, there is some of that. So as a, as fitness professionals, we have to be very conscious about that. We can't just come in there and say, oh yeah, you can, you know, coffee's great for your, um, for your, for your 5k time, you know, you should definitely go drink, you know, three or four cups of coffee before you run. No, like, no, that individual needs to really embrace, not just their own influence on their, (laughs) their, their body, but, um, really become like the, their own scientist, their own experimenter. Right. Right. So that's, that's what I have to say about that. I mean, it, and it goes across the board. It does. 
um, with with all all different ways to to whether you're fueling for performance or whether you're trying to change other health factors, cholesterol or, you know, cardiovascular health or, you know, just your strength health, all of those things. Every single human being that steps in front of us as a fitness and, uh, professional is an individual and we need to treat them that way and help them to treat themselves that way. You know, also, I guess time, right? When we think about, like, I can have a full pot of coffee and go to sleep. Like, mm-hmm. just the other night before I went to sleep, which I, 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 I try to always drink water before I go to sleep. But just mm-hmm. the other night, I was like, hmm, I want a cup of coffee. And I had 20 ounces of it. I went right to sleep. Not a problem. Yeah. So, like I said, if you want my blood first, you go through the coffee. Then you get my <laughs> blood. Thinking about one of the important things is that you said is that we have to actually we're almost like the lab. We have to experiment a little bit on ourselves and find out what works for us. Mm-hmm. And and uh, so many people just consume things just because it's being thrown at them. Instead mm-hmm. of saying, wait a minute, is this okay for me? Is it healthy? Mm-hmm. Even, even going to the doctor and getting a checkup every so often is going to help you what your blood levels are, mm-hmm. you know, your cholesterol, all these different things. And a lot of people don't do that. Yeah. And I think that that's an important aspect of it, especially if you get a full workup, a blood workup, because mm-hmm. it gives you so much information. Yeah. And you know, we do it for our cars, right? We go get them checked out. But do we check ourselves out? Do we? Yeah. Not really, right? Wow. Yeah. And 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 part of that is becoming your own best advocate, mm-hmm. right? Um, because even if you do go for those yearly checkups for the blood work and everything like that, sometimes it's difficult to know what those numbers mean. And uh, not every doctor will have the time to sit down with you and really go through all of those numbers. This is this is where you should be. This is where, you know, right. we either get like a yeah, everything looked fine or we're like, oh, this this number is a little bit out of whack. So I, I can share just a story about that in my own experience, because. Absolutely. Um, I was at one point in my career, like really burned out and, and actually multiple points in my career. Like Mm -hmm. there's like a whole bunch of, of, it looks like a roller coaster, right? Sometimes you're totally upside down, right? So this was one of those moments, totally upside down, physically, mentally, emotionally, you can be burned out in many, many different ways. Right. So I was like, I was just (laughs) knew I was stressed out, didn't know how to fix it. But how that showed up for me was in these crazy, wild mood swings. Like I thought I was going crazy, Mm. literally crazy. I'm like, I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm just driving to the grocery store, just sobbing my eyes out or losing my mind, anger and rage just for nothing. Like I'm just chopping the garlic. And I'm like, there is something really wrong here. (laughs) Like, I don't know what's going on. So I went to the doc where I was just in for a regular checkup and I'm happened to mention this to my doctor. And she's like, okay, we need to check your 
vitamin D levels. These are not normal tests. Like they don't come up in normal tests, right? So you have to speak up if something is not right. So things like fatigue, we think they're so normal that we don't even say anything. Like I'm just tired. That's how I'm supposed to live. Mm. But it's not necessarily true. Moodiness too, for women, especially like we think, oh, this is just normal moodiness. Well, no, it is not necessarily so. So she checked not just uh, vitamin D, but she checked, um, you know, a little bit extra Mm. on my blood work. Right. So um, what came back was fascinating because I'm in this really stressed out state. Right. Um, Critically low vitamin D levels. Okay, so like in the single digits, you're supposed to be like 60. (laughs) The number was down to like nine. (laughs) That's not cool because interesting to note, which I didn't know, vitamin D controls your hormone levels, ladies Mm. and gentlemen, they control your hormone levels. So you need vitamin D. Uh, Calcium was on the low end, the very last number you could be and still be quote unquote normal. Mm. And my red blood cells and white blood cell count was like all wonky, you know, not where it should have been. And I was freaking out because I'm like, I don't know what those numbers mean. And the the um my my doctor thankfully i had a doctor who kind of explained some of the connections there between um some of those vitamins and minerals right but it was related not just to the amount of vitamin d or the amount of calcium that i was getting in my day but my overall stress levels and the cortisol levels all of those things are connected in ways that there's you know you're not going to get a real clear uh, message from your doctor that says hey you need to go meditate more mm. to bring your stress levels down and that's going to affect your blood work no one in the, in the medical industry is really going to tell you something like that but it is all related Okay, so go back to check out those blood levels and, you know, they're they come right back up. But the instantaneous thing, like within days of of changing those um, vitamin D, that vitamin D intake within like days. I mean, I felt it the first day. Mm. You feel a difference in your body and you're like, oh, my gosh, what I felt before was not my normal. Right. Right. You don't have to live in a state of suffering, if that is what is going on for you. It is good to continue to ask questions when you're in that office with that medical professional, right? Mm -hmm. Don't feel like you can't take a little extra time. You are the one that lives in that body. That's right. And you have lived in that body for however old you are. So for me, it was like, okay, I have... I know this 40 something year old body really well because I've been here like for the (laughs) whole time. That medical doctor. (laughs) Right. And and I pay attention. Now, that's the key. Right. Because so many people don't really pay attention. We don't Mm -hmm. we think that that especially with stress. Right. Because that just sort of sneaks up and we we just think this is our life. All right. We just think that and nobody teaches you how to safely self-regulate your your nervous system. Nobody teaches that. And um, that's a piece that fitness instructors can really kind of tap into because you can you can change the world for someone Mm -hmm. if you can help them safely self-regulate. 
when you are sitting in a doctor's office and you don't feel good, it's really hard to advocate for yourself. So I totally get that. Right. And I just want to empower people to really kind of step into their own, (laughs) their own expertise. You know what it's like to live in that body that you're in and it deserves and you deserve the best. So we can, we need to ask for that for sure. You know, a couple of things that you talked about is medical professionals don't have the time. Well, guess what? If they don't have the time for you, they're not the right medical professional for you. Yeah, that's true. That is true. One of the things I tell all my clients is that they have to interview their doctor because, hey, guess what? It's a job interview. Yeah. You're interviewing them. They're working for you. Yeah. So don't just take their word for, yeah, I'm going to take care of you. No. How are you going to take care of me? Yeah. Are you going to spend time with me when I have questions? Because if you go in there and they're rushing you out within two minutes, Mm -hmm. what's going on? The doctor that I have, she's amazing as well. She will spend time with me. Yeah. And she will ask me questions and talk to me. And how is this? How is that? And that's what we need. We need someone in our corner, especially a medical professional, your doctor. Yeah. Have an internist that, that you go to, because guess what? They're a little bit more in touch right. with what's going on with your body. The other thing that you talked about is when we've lived in this body, some people in their mind believe that when you get to a certain age, you're old. And that is so wrong. I hear people in their 30s, 40s, 50s saying, yeah, I'm already too old. They're correct, right? Because they believe it, so they are it. Mm-hmm. We have to get that old mentality out of our head. Because when you look, I see things on LinkedIn. I see a woman who, 102 years old, just set a record for running. And if she says she was old, she wouldn't be running, right? There was a race with a bunch of 100-year-olds. They were all running. Mm-hmm. It's not the age that makes you old. It's you who makes you old, right? <laughs> yeah, so that's stop true. Stop making yourself old. That's true. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's a little bit about what you accept, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what you accept as your your normal, right? Um, I love what you said about getting an internist uh, because most of most people are just going to go to a general physician or maybe some specialist. Right. And the specialist knows what they know, but often they're just treating that one specialty rather than you as a whole connected person. So so we really need to kind of look for with with some intention, look for a medical professional that can treat us as a whole human being rather than just whatever our symptom is, because we could chase symptoms all day long forever. And that's, that's kind of what you're, what you're talking about, you know, with this age thing that we feel something new or different, some pain here or there or whatever, and we can accept it as a, as a normal part of aging, or um, we can say, well, I don't have to live with it forever. You know, like, I mean, we have, and I'm sure, I don't know about you, Raphael, but I have plenty of overuse injuries that I've collected over the years, along with all the certifications, like a new overuse injury. And I could just say, um, okay, my shoulders are, are done. 
And now I can, I'll never do another push up. Well, that's not true. I mean, that's what physical therapy is for. And so, yeah, so I, so I work out a little differently. It doesn't, it doesn't mean that I stop moving, right? Oh yeah. That age thing. Absolutely. I saw that thing with the hundred, I think she was like 105 or something running the a uh, hundred yard dash, a hundred meter dash or something like that. Incredible. I'm like, if oh. I'm a, if I make it to 105 and I can get up out of my chair, I'm going to be, <laughs> I'm going to yeah. be super excited. But, and here she is run is sprinting a yeah. hundred meters, right? Amazing. That doesn't happen if you decide, Hey, I'm too old for this anymore, you know? And, um, it's about quality of life. It's not to say that your body doesn't change because it does. Of course it does. Right. Of course it does. And we need to be very aware of that. But that, but is you can make it what you want it to be. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of people think that, you know, because I've hit my forties, it's okay to have a pot belly. I hit my forties. It's okay for me to gain weight. I've hit my 50s, it's this. I've hit my whatever, it's that. So a lot of people, maybe because they were growing up and people they saw around, they associated an age with maybe they, that's the way I should be as well. Mm-hmm. So they accept that. I don't accept. You know, when somebody calls me a man, I'm like, who are you talking to? <laughs> so for me, I'm like, I'm still a kid, man. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, but you're so old. I'm not old. Maybe you're old. Yeah. I said, you know, when it's my birthday, it's how young am I? Because my grandfather, one of my actually great grandfather lived to be 113. Oh, my goodness. Which is crazy. Yeah. It's crazy in Colombia. Right now, I'm like, I'm going to beat him. I'm going to live longer <laughs> than him. I'm going I, for 125. I believe you. I believe you. This is why I work out every day. This is why, you know, I eat a certain way. Mm-hmm. I, I, I maintain my weight a certain amount because I have to listen to my body. And you talked about injuries. I have three knee injuries. Uh, well, surgeries. I had three knee surgeries. Yeah. And I only have two knees. So imagine that. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. And I'm still able to do everything. And when I went to therapy for my knee surgeries, the therapist was like, uh, you're you're doing more than you should be. I'm like, I'm okay. I, I know what I'm doing. And mm-hmm. at one point he goes, you're only supposed to be like at 60%. You're at a hundred and something percent. I'm like, that's okay. Let's keep going. And the fact that I had an ACL replacement mm-hmm. and in order for me to have it done correctly, I interviewed my surgeons and I did not go with the first surgeon because my questions were, where is the tendon coming from? And what are the possibilities of me getting AIDS? Because that, when I had it, that was a big, big question. So one of them said, we're going to take it from your patella. And I'm like, what are my chances of being able to kneel? I kneel a lot. Oh, well, you know, one and so I'm like, well, that's me. Okay, next person, a cadaver. Mm-hmm. Okay, what are the chances of me getting AIDS from that? He said, oh, one in a million. I'm like, guess what? I'm that one. Okay, next surgeon. Where are you getting it from? Your hamstring. I said, okay. And what are the, and then, so I questioned him. What are the, what can I fix? He goes, you can do everything. And because I've always squatted and I've held squats, which we call in in Chinese martial arts, we call them horse stands. Hmm. I've held it, you know, wall squats. I do all those all the time. I still do them now, even with those surgeries. 
And because of that, when he took out my hamstring tendon, he goes, I've done a million of these. I've never taken out a hamstring tendon that as strong as yours. I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, it, you'll never have a problem. I said, okay, cool. And it was supposed to take a year to recover. I was not going to wait a year. <laughs> but I, you know, yes, I followed what my therapist was telling me to do. But then I, I superseded and I went beyond it because I said, you know, when I had my surgery, they put me in that I, at home. They put you in a machine to move your leg for four mm-hmm. hours. I'm like, hmm, I'm just laying here. I'm just going to go all night. <laughs> and I left it on. Now, I don't know if everybody should be able to do that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when you allow your mind and your body to listen to one another, mm-hmm. then you're okay. But that that's it. That's that connection that we need to have. Right. And and that's one of the things that so that's a beautiful thing about martial arts, actually, martial arts and um, and yoga and mm-hmm. and and different types of movement outside of, you know, our typical Western exercise. What they offer is a pathway to reconnect in a friendly way with your body. So you can move and be present in the body and relearn that communication that maybe you have lost. And uh, martial arts was my first first step into fitness as a as a kind of a, more of a lifestyle. Right. Um, and that didn't happen for me until I was about 24, 25. That's, that's when I started Taekwondo and that's what got me into the fitness industry. But, um, but, but later down the road, when I came into yoga, I was like, Oh, you know, my master, my Taekwondo master had always told me that martial arts comes from yoga. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh, Really? Because <laughs> at the time, <laughs> at the time, at the time, I was like, "Oh, yoga's not hard enough, right?" Because <laughs> that was right. the mindset, you know, that 20, 20 something mindset. But, um, but as I when I when I when I became a yoga instructor, first practicing myself, and then became an instructor in yoga, I was like, "Oh, I totally see it. Like, there's just it just is so connected. The movements are connected. The breath is always connected. You are like right there, mind in the muscle. Mm-hmm. And the more you can practice that, the more you start to notice things. Like for you in in recovery." to know what it is that your body is capable of. And rather than moving from a, from a place of like a a, a punishment place, a forceful place, you can come at it as, you know, this is, this is, I am taking care of this injury. And um, it is the difference there is big for recovery for people. You know, so if you know your body, you can you can take care of it better and it will take care of you for forever. It will. will. Yeah. So, Erica, you know, you are someone who helps people understand their bodies, their their life. When you think about it, because Mm -hmm. our bodies are our life. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Let's go back to younger years when you notice that someone or somehow it impacted people how old were you when you decided to obviously you were a little girl running around right 
(laughs) (laughs) And that's the beauty of children, right? They're always active. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, technology is kind of taking that away from some children who are in front of a computer screen, in front of of a tablet, and, and playing a game constantly and not going outside and playing. When did you notice? How old were you? when you started really getting into being fit? So I was, I'm the oldest of four children and the only girl, I was the firstborn, firstborn, firstborn grandchild. And I have three younger brothers. Mm. And when I was young, we didn't have all of those, those technology games. Okay. So we got kicked out of the house and uh, in the morning <laughs> after breakfast and you didn't come back till dinner time. You know, that was that was or when you got hungry, <laughs> you, when you were hungry <laughs> enough, you would go inside. Right. Or if it was raining or whatever. But so I was always very, very active as a kid. My dad really felt strongly that all of us should be exposed to a lot of different kinds of sports. So he was always teaching us. Um, baseball, we played baseball, we played catch, we played, you know, we rode our bikes everywhere in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. I was always in a tree. I feel like I was climbing a tree <laughs> all the time right. or climbing something. And so when I got into school, when I got into high school, you know, I was, we were not forced, not, I don't want to say forced, but we were expected to play sports, to do mm-hmm. some kind of sports. So um, I played soccer. I I ran track. I ran cross country. I was doing something almost every season in some way. When I left school, it wasn't like professional level. We were, you know, it was just for kind of for fun. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, the competition is great. But for me, I wasn't really into that so much. So it was more just to stay active. Right. And then when I left school and went to college, I, you know, it sort of is a habit, right? To, to move is a habit. Right. So if you have that growing up, I mean, what, what I did for fun in college outside of normal college things was go to the gym mm. and lift or um, my dad let me take some racquetball rackets and there was a racquetball court at the, you know, on campus. And so we would play racquetball, not very well, but, you know, we would go and play, right? So yeah, you didn't, didn't matter. Like you're just going to hit the ball and then duck basically when you're playing racquetball as it comes back to you. I, I met my husband in college and he's a very active guy, cyclist and things like that. We would, we would either hike two miles to campus for classes or ride our bikes in, in all kinds of weather. I mean, it was just like an integrated thing for, for my family. And when, um, when he left the military, we were stationed, we were stationed in Germany for a couple of years. And when we came back to the States, he was getting out of the military we ended up in North Carolina and we only had one car. I had two young kids Mm. and I needed to do something. I needed to get out of the house. Right. So um, we had this new Taekwondo school that was within walking distance from my apartment. I'm like, that's it. That's all I got. So I just showed up there, you know, (laughs) and just showed up. (laughs) We're like, Hey, and the, my master, he's like, Hey, where's the kid? Because a lot of times, you know, only the kids go. Right. Parents bring the kids and I'm like, I'll bring the kid later. This is for me. (laughs) So so that was like the beginning of that 
bigger picture because in martial arts, martial arts brings you something that in general, general sports in school doesn't always, we'll touch on, but it doesn't go deep on. And that's this self-discipline, this, this discipline of practice, because honestly, like if you're running track, you don't really have to work on running. I mean, unless you want to really, like, I mean, most people can run, they can walk, they can run, right? It didn't, to me, it didn't feel like something that was uh, complicated enough for me to spend a lot of mental energy on. But martial arts, there's a lot of that, right? There's the physical and then there's the mental part that and that mind-body connection for me was really key. And it was through that relationship in that in in my Taekwondo school where I was offered the opportunity to start to lead classes, not just in martial arts, but also in um, in uh, kickboxing. And that's how I kind of got into the fitness industry in general. So so you're absolutely right. Like kids today have we are over consumers of Mm -hmm. junk. Yeah, kind of a, well, it changes your environment, right? It's a different environment that we have now. It's much more perceived environment. So we are online all the time, or we have um, entertainment, we overconsume entertainment. So kids are like being bombarded with this other people's idea of entertainment, instead of going outside and like figuring it out yourself. Like, Mm -hmm. how are you going to entertain yourself? You don't have to, you don't have to now you can just flip on Netflix. Somebody else will entertain you. And it's, it's really a shame. It really separates you from your body, right? It takes you out of your body. And this is the problem with typical exercise and fitness also, which what I observed in over the last 25 years in any kind of gym, right? You go in there and you've got rows and rows of, of treadmills and ellipticals and machines that are going to help you work out. And you see these people get on there and they turn on the screen and yes, they're moving, but they're not in their body. No. They're disconnected. They're disconnected. It just reinforces the disconnection. And we wonder why we have, you know, 70% of our uh, doctor visits are stress related because you don't have any connection anymore with your own nervous system that controls everything. And you are not getting, uh, you're not getting safe self-regulation from that. You're not reinforcing that. You're reinforcing a state of, of fight or flight, basically. Right. And now, now they have the Oculus workouts and they have that mirror workout mm-hmm. and a little connected, but still disconnected because with the Oculus, you have to be indoors, right? Mm-hmm. There's no outdoor, there's no really ra- running, climbing, riding, mm-hmm. screaming, jumping. I mean, there is jumping when you do the Oculus and so forth. But when we think about being fully connected, we are not connected now because we're not in the environment. Yeah. Going out, running on grass, running on dirt, running on concrete, running um, on the beach. All these different environments give you different types of workouts. Mm -hmm. If you're going to do the workout at home, that's cool. But you're not going to get the feeling of the environments. And, and the freshness of it as well, 
right? Because as mm -hmm. a kid, I played everywhere, just like you. Mm -hmm. I mean, trees, mm -hmm. garages. I was on top of garages. I was everywhere. Mm -hmm. And it's the environment. And it's also that community. Yeah. When we're kids, right? Yeah. What kind of a community are you going to have if you're going to work out in front of a mirror? Exactly. Don't get me wrong. It's better than not working out. Yeah. But even going to the gym and being part of a class is better than just going to the gym and working on a machine. But it also depends on the person. Mm -hmm. You know, do they not want to like socialize? That also could be it. Mm -hmm. So when we work out, first of all, we have to think of what are we looking for? Mm -hmm. What's our goal? Right. A lot of people work out because maybe their doctor said you need to start working out. Well, guess what? What's my reality versus what I see out there or what other people are telling me? Mm -hmm. We have to go with our reality. Mm -hmm. What's our goal? What do we want to accomplish? I've had many people, I wish more women would come into to do martial arts. The amount of women who do martial arts compared to men is like 2%, which is mm -hmm. terrible. Mm -hmm. I think if people understood martial arts more, they wouldn't say it's just for the kids. Like you said, with the instructor, he's like, where's the kid, right? <laughs> and I've been guilty of that because one time I had this woman come in. She had a baby in her arm. She had one walking next to her and she had a carriage. She's got three kids. And I'm like, okay, I, I kind of, uh, it was my fault because I assessed her really quick. And I'm like, all right, which one of the kids is she looking to put in here? Not the one in the carriage, maybe the one walking. Okay. I said, hey, hey, you know, how can I help you? And then she... I didn't, I didn't assume, I didn't say it. I mean, I assumed it, but I didn't say it. And she goes, I'm interested in classes. I said, oh, okay, how old are your children? And she goes, no, for me. Yeah. I'm like, oh, cool. This woman, she was thin, tall, and if you think frail, she kind of looked it. She was far from frail. Mm-hmm. She used to take, she was, I think, 110 pounds soaking wet, even with quarters in her pocket. <laughs> <laughs> she can take a guy who's 200 and 200 and change and throw him like nothing. Yep. And it was all based on technique and because she was hungry for the knowledge. Yep. And unfortunately, she moved away. Mm -hmm. You know, she went, she went, I'm in the East Coast, she went to the Midwest. But what happened, she was with me several years. And when guys would come up to her, and we were going to spar. They're like, oh, no big deal. She used to whoop them. <laughs> and it was the intensity that she brought. Because mm -hmm. she was looking for that. And I'm not saying that all women have to come into the martial arts and fight. But they should come into the martial arts and learn to move their bodies differently than we would in a gym. Yeah. In a gym, it's, it's such such a place that you can get hurt. So anybody who is going to go to the gym for the first time, New Year's is coming up, don't just join a gym. Hire a trainer mm -hmm. to teach you, even if it's one or two or three lessons, to teach you the machines that you probably want to use. And say, how do you use this machine? How do you use that machine? Because then you will not have those injuries that everyone else has to go through because they don't know how to use the equipment. Mm -hmm. And some of the equipment you don't need to use, mm -hmm. right? Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. You, you've, you've gotten hurt, mm -hmm. right? 
Mm -hmm. And it made you change the way you work out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Why'd you do that? I, for many years, I felt like I needed to be the strongest person in the room in order to give the best kind of workout, give 120% to my clients. And to some extent, that is true because it makes it easier as an instructor. When you step in front of a class, if you're leading a class, a kickboxing class or whatever, something that someone has to follow you through in order to be able to still talk to them, you need to have a level of fitness that you can do what you're showing them and be able to speak in a way that makes it look a little bit easier, right? So there is a level of fitness that you have to have. But for me, I I took that just a little too far in that I did not also allow myself to recover. Mm. And so I think for me, looking back over the mistakes, all the mistakes that I've made um, in my history, that is that is the piece that was missing. So so we talk a little bit about, um, you know, bringing in some kind of self-care recovery for me, that looked like adding more. So, so my self-care was, was training for marathons on top of like 20 hours of teaching classes. So, so there was a lot of impact involved and in the moment it felt good to me. So I felt like there was not, so, so I felt like I should keep doing it. Right. But I was actually using it a little bit to dissociate from my body because I was much more comfortable being uncomfortable and instead of being quiet and still and finding a way to really recover. When I would collapse in exhaustion at the end of the day, I felt like that was enough recovery. That's not... Mm. That's not what recovery is when you (laughs) exhaustion and rest. Two different things. Mm -hmm. So and 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 the part of that was that I wasn't connecting the physical with the mental and emotional pieces of rest that I needed. And so I would be really, really exhausted and know that I needed sleep, but I wouldn't be able to sleep. It's that tired and wired thing. And all of this goes back to um, the lack of understanding about how the nervous system needs to recover also, right? Otherwise, you hold on to physical tension for longer than it needs to be held, Mm -hmm. right? You need the physical uh, tension to do the thing that you're doing, whether that's a run or a, a class or, you know, a kick or whatever it is. But, but resilience isn't about staying in that activated, uh, tense state forever. <laughs> resilience is being able to rise to that physical challenge or the mental challenge, emotional challenge, whatever it is, and then come back to rest. But I lost that right? It's the change. It's the, it's the up and down, the movement in and out that is, that makes you more resilient. It isn't being locked in this high state of activation all the time. So you spend too much time there. The body tries to support you and 
compensate for things for for weaknesses and you get to you get these tight shoulders these you know rounded shoulders up here that you don't notice because you think this is just your posture and no like let's drop the shoulders if you're a runner people and you sit at a desk all day long what you are doing is reinforcing this giant human cashew posture and what needs to happen there for recovery is to open the front of the body up right to find balance that's what I did not have and so now when I work out my workouts look more like physical therapy than anything else right Mm -hmm. so I will do like an assessment in my body to, to see where, you know, something is too tight in the front of my body or too tight in the back of the body and then try to balance it. So we're picking and choosing exercises now that will balance out the strength in the body rather than reinforce other weaknesses, basically, you know, so mm-hmm. um, and I do have to be I love I do still love to run. I have to say I just mm. oh, I cannot give it up. Um, and <laughs> that's good. Um, but I don't have any cartilage left in my knees. Mm. There's none. So I have to be careful. I can't just go out and, and, you know, throw down six miles every morning. I wouldn't be able to walk for the next week. So I have to do it differently. I can still do it. I just have to do it differently. And, and if I, you know, there would have been a time I will say not maybe not too many years ago where I would have ignored that and be like, you should, mm-hmm. you should do it. You should be able to. So you should do it. But listen, yeah. Raphael, I'm 50 years old. I can do what. Congratulations. You look 22. Oh, uh, thank you. See, this is it's all about it. age is not a number, right? <laughs> <laughs> so. No, it's not. It's not. So it is. Uh, it's. It's it doesn't have to look the same as it did when I was 25. Like what I do now, it doesn't have to look like that, but it still needs to be something for me. It needs to be something. You know, I used to run. A lot of people have heard this story, but when I was 14, my brother woke me up at 4 a.m. because he just came back from boot camp to run. So he took me first time, 12 mile run. I was 14. I was very active. You know, I was fine with the run. I was waking up and like startled and then he did it <laughs> seven days in a row on the eighth day. I'm waking him up. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. he didn't want to because he had to go back within a week and he realized that, Oh no, what did I do? I, I created a little monster here <laughs> and I used to run. I used to leave my house at five in the morning, get back by seven. And I'm not talking jogging. I meant running because yeah. when I went with my brother, we didn't jog. We ran. Because in, 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 in the Marines, they didn't jog. They ran. He, he taught me how to run in seven days. <laughs> and when I used to, you know, I used to live in Brooklyn. I used to run from Brooklyn to Queens and back. I knew if I ran for an hour, I had, in order for me not to be late to go to work, I'd have to run back. There was no choice. I couldn't say, oh, I'm tired. No. Plus, mm-hmm. You know, it's what I enjoyed. So I was running and it was more than 12 miles at that point. It was two hours straight runs and loved it. You know, since my knee surgeries, I don't run as much, but I found out that if I get on a bike Mm -hmm. and I stand up, it's like running. 
Yeah. So now I'm like, wow, that is so cool. Yeah. Because there's no pressure. I'm not pounding the ground. Mm-hmm. So it's that, you know, that it's, it's that relief. And I guess that's why the ellipticals are good too. Yeah. Because they don't give you that pounding. Mm-hmm. Compared to a treadmill, you're still getting pounded. Yeah. So for anybody who's got bad knees, there's no excuses. Get on a bike, get on an elliptical. And, and you can still do things. Yeah. And you bring up a good point there for a couple of things. Uh, just to circle back, like the sure. knowing what your reason is, what your why is, why is it that you think you need to work out this way? Right. It's really important. It's really important. What is your purpose? What is your intention? And then keep asking that question. Like you need to ask it like five times right? in a row. Why do you, why do you want to hire a trainer? Well, mm-hmm. I want to get in shape. I need to get in shape. Um, my doctor says I have to get in shape. And then let's explore that because people make decisions to do things for a couple different, like only two reasons. We either act out of fear because we're afraid that we're going to, we're going to die. So that brings people into the gym (laughs) or we can do it out of love. We are, we want to live a nice, long, productive, active life and be able to do the things that we love doing. All right. So if that is your purpose, when you walk into the gym, that changes kind of how you approach your workout. Right. Um, and then, you know, I just want to say one thing that, that really has helped me through the years is understanding that there is always a way. So this is my personal mantra. There is always a way and it is never too late. So it doesn't matter if you are 50 years old and you've never exercised before. It's not too late for you to walk into a gym or a dojo or a yoga studio. It's okay to mm-hmm. start now, right? Okay. It, is, it is not too late and there's always a way. So even if you've had both your knees and hips replaced <laughs> and you have a bionic shoulder, whatever it is, there is always a way to move the body. You cannot allow... Uh, this idea that somehow, you know, because your body has changed in some way from your experience that you can't do it, you can't do something. There's it's it's there. Oh, yeah. One of the things that I, I post regularly on LinkedIn and Facebook, sometimes Instagram, I should do more Instagram. I, I post a workout every single day. Mm. Now, every so often, my, my day gets so crazy because I work out at 5 a.m. every day. And sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll just work out and I'll forget to videotape. I'm like, oh, I forgot to videotape it. But I post them every day. And the reason I do it is not, I'm not asking anyone for anything. I want people to start moving. Mm-hmm. And all, all of my quotes and my, my posts are move, move. That's what you need to do, move. And if you look at my videos, you can't even tell I've had knee surgeries because I'm doing crazy things. And I'm also letting them know, listen, you don't have to do the crazy things I do, but you can minimize, uh, not minimize it, but simplify the Mm -hmm. movements and you can do them this way. And sometimes I'll just show basic stuff, Mm -hmm. you know, like I'm doing Tai Chi Thursdays. So on Thursdays, I'm showing 
one or two moves of Tai Chi. Learn these couple of moves. You're moving. And, you know, I'm doing Yang 24 right now until we get the whole thing done. But I figure every Thursday I'll give you one or two moves. Practice it till next week so you'll have something, right? Yeah. But it's movement. I've had other times where I just, I hang. And I show people just, just hang. How long can you hang? And I'll put myself hanging for a little while, you know, 10 minutes or whatever. And it's that movement. We have to move. And one of the things I say, if you eat, and we all do, we should move. Yeah. Because to be alive, unless, unfortunately, you're paralyzed from, from the neck down, you can't really move. But otherwise, even if you're in a wheelchair, you can move. Mm-hmm. You can still do things for your body. Mm-hmm. It does not matter. Movement is key to our health. Yeah. And the human body was meant to move, really made, made to move. It, it craves movement. Oh, yeah. And sometimes we think, you know, oh, you get up in the morning, you're all tight and, you know, creaky. And that's because you haven't been moving all night long. So just like, (laughs) my brother always says motion is lotion. So you just got to keep moving. And it doesn't have to be high intensity. I think this is something that um, we can maybe speak to here about the intensity of the movement, right? Because you're talking about Tai Chi, which is very, can be very slow and, you know, flowing. It's basically embodied learning where you are moving slow enough to actually stay present with the, with the movement. And when I teach a trauma release exercise for people, the most, the most difficult people, the most difficult thing for people to learn really is to figure out what their intensity in the body is, their physical intensity. How hard are you working right now? Mm-hmm. Like if, if you are given a scale of one to 10 and asked to do squats or um, uh, maybe hold a plank or something, can you observe your intensity, your physical intensity first, and then your mental and emotional intensity because that plays a part how, where, where are you on that scale? Like when you start to hold a plank or when you do your first squat, what does that intensity feel like? Is it a one? Is it a two? If you've never done a squat before, maybe it's instantly a seven, eight or nine, right? But, but we don't have to go up to that seven, eight or nine in order to kind of charge the body a little bit and kind of get it going. We don't have to go up that high. We don't. So it's just an interesting experiment for people who maybe haven't, you know, done it before. Just notice, even if you're a very fit person, notice what your intensity was, is in the moment. And for if you're an active person, an athlete, this is difficult. This is harder for athletes because we go 10, like it's either nothing or 10. (laughs) Yeah. Like there's, there's nothing in between. It's harder for, for active people to really hone in on, okay, what's your seven? Can you even stay at a seven? Do you know what that feels like in the body? And that's like, it's just one of those exercises to get back in touch with what's going on with you. Yeah. yeah. That, that's why I love, you know, I, I used to teach power yoga. So for me, movement is everything. You know, I, the Tai Chi, it's different movement. Yoga is, is, is holding the postures and, and, and feeling and getting deep into it. Obviously, you're, you're a yoga instructor, so you know all these things. But also the Qigong. Qigong is like Chinese yoga, mm. right? It's, it's moving. It's, it's holding postures. 
it's it's the breath work as well. A lot of people don't understand that when we move, our breath is going to allow us to move better. Mm-hmm. So the breath work is critical. And if you don't know about breath work, then you need someone to help. Mm-hmm. So this is why I post every day to encourage people to move. And I don't just post me lifting weights. I, I do a lot of functional fitness mm-hmm. in my videos, a lot of it. You know, sometimes I'm throwing tires. Other times I'm kicking over the tires. Other times I'm using weights. Other times I'm using TRX. Other times I'm, I'm doing bands. I'm doing physio balls. I'm doing medicine balls. I'm doing ab rollers. I'm doing everything because I want to teach people that it's not about the equipment. It's about you. You are the equipment. Yeah. You have the equipment. Yeah. Yeah. Just move. The most important piece of equipment is your body. And, and that's, that's interesting. I love functional fitness. I used to call it farm kid fitness, right? Yes. It was like, <laughs> if you grew up on a farm, uh, that's, I mean, those, those kids are fit. You know, they are, they're hauling uh, 70 pound bales of hay, throwing them up on the back of the, the truck, climbing around in the barn. I mean, it's, yeah, it's real fitness, right? And, and this goes back to what we were saying earlier about why are you doing what you're doing, right? What, is it just because you want to stay a size four or weigh a certain thing? Or is it because you want to be able to play with your grandkids? Mm. Because how do we play with kids? We get down on the floor. That means you better be able to squat down and get up off the floor. You know, okay. like that's really simple. Like these activities of daily living that people are like, oh, that's too easy. I'm like, really? Really? Now you need to be able to get down and get back up. Yeah. Yeah. And and twist and turn. That's when people get hurt. Right. Mm-hmm. You hear that all the time. Like in, as soon as the first snow hits, what happens? People throw their backs out because they go to shovel. And even the people that are in the gym every day, that happens to Why? Because we're not, twist, we're not practicing moving the body in different ways. Right. We're, we're not. Uh, also, I think they've changed the way they make shovels. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Now. So that helps, right? They're more of a, a curve to it. Yeah. But, but when we think about everything we do, it should be functional. Yeah. That's why I love functional fitness. That's why, like, wall sits. You can't wall sit and not have your back touch the wall. So it's important how we do it, making sure your knees are over your toes. You know, your knees are not inward, outward, all these things. So that we're not, a lot of times we're trying to get fit, but we're hurting ourselves. Mm -hmm. And this is where I believe in coaching Mm -hmm. so much because why do I want to get hurt? If I want to accomplish things, I either have to know how to accomplish them or I have to find someone who's already done it. I don't want to go with someone who's just figuring it out. To me, that's not a coach. A coach is someone who's already done it, has helped other people do it. That's the person we should look for. Mm -hmm. That's what a coach is. Someone who's done it, someone who knows how to do it and can teach you how to do it. And someone who's actually has proven results because they've helped other people. Mm-hmm. That's a coach. Mm-hmm. And that's why I believe in coaching so much because it kind of helps us not only not get hurt, but it helps us get to our point faster, right? It takes years off, off of what we have to try to figure out 
when they've already done it, they figured it out. Right. Mm-hmm. So right. That's why coaching is so important to me. Right. And, and for, for a lot of people, it's really hard. What I've noticed in my, in my clients, especially new clients is that they, they really can't feel because they are so disconnected. They really can't feel where they are in space. And mm-hmm. so, um, so, so having someone else with you who can, um, show you what, you know, having your knees dropped in, in a, in a wall sit mm-hmm. means, right. Because they may not f- be able to feel that that is wrong, right? Or, or not wrong, but is out of alignment. Okay, so I want to I want to get away from the right and wrong, but we want to find like good alignment in the body, right? And you're not born necessarily knowing these things. Um, we get cut off from them. So the rounded spine, finding neutral spine, that is like critical for people to be able to come into neutral and, um, and aligning the knees and aligning the hips and, you know, where your shoulders are, where your head and your neck is this forward head posture. When we're talking about, you know, being on a screen all the time, this, this tech neck thing is Mm -hmm. horrible for people, but, but oftentimes people have been in those postures for, for their whole life. So they think that this is their natural they're correct. Like this is, this is how my body is this rounded forward posture, or, you know, my knees drop in, my knees drop out, my feet roll out, they roll in. It's just because you haven't practiced feeling anything different, right? So that's where your coach, your coach can direct your awareness in the body in ways that, you know, kind of lift off that judgment. So it's not about judging the body. It's about, okay, the observation process, becoming more aware and, and changing our expectations of what to feel. If you're not practicing feeling the correct place in the body or the correct alignment or different alignment, you're, you're never going to know. You're never going to be able to notice that. So yeah, it, it, it is, um, it plays a big role, um, when you can, when you can find somebody to help you through that. I, I believe, uh, you know, for me, lines are everything, right? Body mm-hmm. lines. So I was working with a, one of my students, his mom was a, a dance teacher, a very high level dance teacher. And she liked the way I was, because we were doing a, a demo set for so a demonstration we were going to do. And she goes, I love the way you've put that together. And she goes, is it okay if I, I can, can I help you? I'm like, sure. She goes, I work with a lot of people and you really know body positions, body alignments. And I said, well, that's everything. I said, otherwise you're going to be out of whack. She goes, great. This is the only, I've never worked with someone else outside of dance of my high level because she actually teaches teachers how to become teachers. Mm -hmm. So she said, this is the first time I'm working with someone who is not in my field, but I want to work with you because of the way you notice things. Because one of the things when I take on a client, whether it's a fitness client, martial arts client, or a business client, or even someone who wants to just change their life and and be better for it, I'm always looking at the lines in their life. What, how their posture is, what do they, how do they move, where their feet are going, their hands, their head, everything. It all goes. So I do a fitness assessment and I use a stick to do it Mm -hmm. because sometimes I might say to them, you're leaning forward. No, I'm not. You're doing this. No, I'm not. So sometimes not only do I use a stick, but I also use video 
because mm-hmm. I want to show them the assessment that I not only saw through my eyes, but they can see themselves. So a lot of times I'll videotape someone doing something and then I'll, I'll make the corrections. And they're like, my arm was not there. I'm like, mm, let's take a look at the video. And all of a sudden they're like, oh, wow. Yeah. I said, you know, I'm, I'm here to help you. Don't worry. You know, having someone that you go to, especially if it's a fitness professional, they should be looking at your lines. Mm-hmm. How are you moving? Where's your body mechanics? That's everything, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, someone who's going to really assess your movement is the right person for you. Mm-hmm. So look for a professional that's going to assess your movement because everything is movement. Mm-hmm. Whether you're lifting weights, you're doing yoga, you're doing dance, you're doing martial arts, you're doing whatever, it's all based on movement. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on, on coaching? Okay, so I have I have a lot of thoughts on coaching. So I've <laughs> so I will say um, I would say the fitness industry is like a dream job. I just want to put that out there, and I'm going to say these things with all love in my heart. Right? Um, I came into the fitness industry not through a, a college. Okay, so I didn't study anything physical in college. I studied communication. Um, which is interesting because I do a lot of communicating. <laughs> so it's a good thing. Um, it's a good thing and it fits in now. But at the time I was like, oh my gosh, I wasted that thing. But for, for many fitness professionals, we just go and we get our certification. We get a certification, right? We get a personal trainer certification. That's how I started. We get a group fitness certification. We get, uh, um, maybe we do go through a, a particular f- format like yoga, right? We'll get a 200 RYT or 500 RYT or something like that. And, um, and then go into all kinds of different formats from there. What can we teach? What can we, who can we coach? There are things that are missing from that certification structure that I think do coaches a disservice and their clients a disservice if they're looking for a long-term, sustainable, successful, burnout-free business, okay? And those things include kind of a lack of self-regulation. Nobody, when you get your certification, teaches you how to self-regulate your own nervous system so that you can help other people in front of you co-regulate. Nobody talks about that nervous system piece. It's, it's really much bigger than we give it credit for. Coaches that are looking to kind of up-level up their professional credibility should probably look at ways to cultivate that a little bit more. The other piece is the communication piece. Like how are we communicating? We can know all about those lines, Raphael. We can know how the human body works. We can, we can be um, really great at putting together all kinds of workouts and, and things like that to, to, to shape the body, to, to, fix people, quote unquote, fix people. But if (laughs) we, but if we don't know how to communicate Mm -hmm. with our clients in ways that they can receive, what's the point? 
we we lose them. We lose them. And um, for in my opinion, understanding uh, inclusive trauma sensitive language is really key because we don't know who's walking into our classroom in a group setting, what baggage they're bringing in. And we can accidentally re-traumatize people very mm. easily, very easily. And those are the people that don't come back. Those are the people that you never see again and you don't know why. And that's unfortunate because for a coach, we want to learn. We want to get better all the time. We are, like I said earlier, curators of information, right? And and education. So we want to be better ourselves so that we can be better for other people. And when people disappear like that, how can you get better? But um that communi- com- communication piece is, is huge. And then that final piece, which I, you know, wish that I had had in, in the past is an understanding of entrepreneurship and business in how we are going to structure our, our business. We are a business. Oh yeah. You know, so if you are a, a independent contractor, even if you're an employee of someone else as a fitness professional, you are still uh, an entrepreneur your own your your own boss you either show up for work or you don't show up so you make that decision right yeah exactly yes exactly and then and how do you show up right how do you show up how do you show up i mean what is what are your personal and professional boundaries and and what is your awareness your personal awareness this, this is like there's ABCs, right? The, your own awareness of what's going on, uh, your your boundaries, and then your connection, whether that's internal connection or your connection with your clients, and that's that. Those those are really really basic pieces um, that you sometimes have to seek out as a fitness professional mm-hmm. to round out your your professional credibility and your career and over time and. It, it, it's better if you are making intentional choices along those lines than just kind of accidentally falling into <laughs> the right things to know to teach the people around you. Yeah, yeah. But one of the things that I do is, is help people um, like a, a new client journey, right? Mm, yeah. With their, their first five days are going to be when they, they start training with me because some people have no idea what they're getting into. But, you know, what I do as a coach, I let them know what to expect day one, day two, day yeah. three, day four, day five, and so on. And a lot of times I'll even have videos to guide them through that journey that they should all go through, right? Because we all have different expectations. Mm-hmm. And if we know what we can expect, you know, because not every client is going to have the same experience but at least they can they can understand right it, let's say we're going to go from you know new york to california or you know wyoming if you've never driven there you need a gps yeah. or a map back in the old days right? <laughs> <laughs> you need a paper map right yeah back in the old days people were opening the book oh, oh wait they, yeah. i ran out of this state let me get the next state book right if you're going That's from right. one state to the other now we have gps google my gosh what an amazing concept that it's on our phone yeah but we still need that guide 
You need to make a turn here, make a turn there, take the I-95, take this, take that. And that's what we as coaches need to give our clients is a guide of where do you want to go from here? Mm -hmm. What journey are you looking to be on? Mm -hmm. Do you want to take this road or that road? You know, do you want to fast track or do you want, you know, are you looking to lose weight? Are you looking to gain weight? Are you looking for strength? Are you looking for this? Are you looking for just that energy feeling? Mm-hmm. What are we looking for? So a good coach is going to find those things out. And I also believe that a good coach is also going to help you understand what your journey is going to be like. And that's one of the things I definitely do for my clients. And it doesn't matter what they're hiring me for. Because for me, even if you're hiring me for your business, to me, that's still movement. You have to move in a certain direction right. for your business to become better. Right. If you're hiring me because of your personal life, where are we now? And where do we want to move to mm-hmm. or move away from? Right. So everything to me, and I can't stress it enough, it's all about movement. Where we're moving our body and where we're moving our mind. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's about, it's about what action that they want to take and their, their internal purpose. Right. And those things can change. And this is an interesting thing, right? So you start off working with a client and they come to you with a list of, okay, X, Y, Z, uh, goals. And over time, those things might change. Right. But always. They always do. They all, they should change. Mm-hmm. They really should because it's not a single destination necessarily. And this is something that, you know, maybe as coaches, if we understand a little bit more about this, like the, the end goal might look a certain way at the beginning, but for that client, it really isn't about what they need to do to get to that one goal. It's, about what they need to do for the rest of their life to stay at that goal. That's right. Right. So it's, it's, it's less about, cause anybody can do any, listen, Raphael, anyone can do anything for four weeks, six weeks, 12 weeks. Anybody can do that. Oh yeah. But what are you going to do after that? Like what happens next? And my, my Taekwondo master used to talk about this in terms of like the Olympics, Olympic athletes, who train sometimes from very young ages mm-hmm. to the point where they stand on that gold medal podium. And he would talk about this and then he would say, okay, if you work your whole life for that gold medal and you get that gold medal and you're 18 years old, then what? Yeah. Then what? Like what, what is next for you? I mean, it's that way for, everyone right we we all have things that we are working towards lots of areas of our life so is it about achieving that one thing or is it about you know creating your your best life we talked about how long how long we want to live (laughs) right yeah we talked about how long we want to live you know if you want to make it to 125 you know, there's, there's a lot of smaller things that need to happen to make mm-hmm. that a- achievable for you. And they're no less important than anything else, but it isn't about doing one thing all the time, anytime. It's lots of things. There's all kinds of connections that need to happen. And yeah. 
And that is part of coaching too, to be able to look at, you know, the, the whole person, not just the person, not just the physical body in the gym and the movement there, but like the whole, the whole body. And we touched on this too, when we're talking about medical professionals who are treating the whole human being, because you are more than just your body. You're, you're more than just your mind. You're, you are this divine um, energy, right? And we we know this if we think about it, because, you know, I don't know about you, but I have conversations with myself all the time, like looking oh, yeah. down from above, <laughs> like, what are you doing today? <laughs> what is going on with you? <laughs> just back and forth, right? Everyone is like that. We just need to give ourselves some space and some grace to experience that and be okay with that and just move forward. <laughs> you know, one of the things I definitely have conversations all the time with my myself, one of the things I will not do is have an argument with myself. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> and you know, having those conversations, sometimes the best way to know and figure things out is journaling. Yeah. So that conversation, you turn it into paper, put it onto paper, right? And then later on, you can assess your thoughts were what that conversation was and that is key to understanding yourself understanding where you are where you want to go and look and you said it and it's funny because when i have people that come to me their goal is one thing when they start working with me they realize that like wait a minute my goal was small now i'm working with you holy cow I want this, I want that, I want to do this, I want to accomplish that. Yes, because no matter how big you think your goals are, if you change, and you should change, your goals will change, or they'll just get bigger. Right? Yeah, yeah. And that's what we want to, you know, as a coach yourself, you know that when you start working with someone, sometimes there's fear involved. Mm. And once they overcome that fear, my gosh, things just open up for them. Yeah. Yeah. And, and a lot of times it's kind of a, um, unknown fear. Like we, mm -hmm. we have a lot of, of, of fears. Everybody does, but we don't always acknowledge them as being something that may stand in our way or block us from achieving whatever it is that we want. I mean, there, and, and these are, these are ideas or beliefs that may have come along with us for the ride from childhood, from oh, yeah. like the day we were born. And this is why, this is one of the reasons why I feel like trauma sensitive approach in coaching is so important because Every human being has experienced some kind of trauma, whether they acknowledge that as a traumatic experience for them or not. Is things so we talked a little bit about surgery and knee surgery, right, Raphael? Mm -hmm. Right. So, you know, maybe it was an it was a traumatic injury that caused the need for that. Maybe not, but whenever we are, our body goes through surgery, that is a trauma to the body, even though we consciously understand that this is good for us. Like we need this knee surgery, right? So we don't think about that as a trauma, um, but the body may, will, can read it as a trauma. Mm -hmm. 
And so it's going to react as if you have been under threat. So that happens for, for many people. I know my mom fell and she broke her shoulder. And so she needed a shoulder replacement. That is a traumatic experience. She didn't think of it like that, but her body for sure, because you are, you are in pain. You don't know what's going on. You've got the whole uncertainty, lack of control and isolate like you're like, what is happening to me? A thing happening. And so even in the surgery and, you know, orthopedic surgeries, they, they can be pretty violent. Even if you're not conscious for them, they're violent on the body. Oh yeah. The, the hammering, <laughs> all these things. Yeah, yeah. And so, so think about, yeah. So think about, um, think about like from the, when you were born all the way through. So I can look back at my childhood all the way up through now. And now with my current awareness of what, how trauma lives in the body intention, I can look back and I can see that history of the things that happened to me that I never would have acknowledged as traumatic experiences. Mm. But, but I understand now why there are certain things that happen in my body the way they do. I know why I hold tension in my jaw. I know why I hold tension through my neck. I, I, and it's just residual, but people who come to you as a, as a client, as a coach, we need to understand that, that there could be things, layers of things that lots of layers. this person is coming to you with that they don't understand and don't are not acknowledging or don't even remember that are affecting their their body and they're affecting what it is that they're they're they feel able and capable of doing. Right. So Mm -hmm. we just have to very gently (laughs) encourage, encourage that reconnection. So so it is it is just another layer of awareness as a coach. Right. We just need to understand that everybody comes with a lot of stuff with them Mm -hmm. and um, they not they're not necessarily going to share it all, especially not like right at first, maybe as the relationship develops. Mm -hmm. So that's why it's super important for coaches to really have their stuff together because you know you you don't have you don't you shouldn't be taking on all of their stuff and you don't want to accidentally you know rain all of your stuff all over them either so it is it is an important piece to that yeah there's there has to be boundaries as a coach mm-hmm. yeah that you have to set because a lot of coaches, and I've seen it in gyms, they're, they're spewing their stuff on their clients. And I'm mm-hmm. like, whoa, that might be too much information for them. They didn't come here for you to yes. talk for you to talk to them about your junk, you know, your stuff. So it's important for us as coaches and any coach and any anything to have those boundaries because those boundaries are gonna keep you safe, but better yet. They're going to serve your client and give them what they came for. Because guess what? If I go to a coach and they, I see they're crossing those boundaries, then I know that coach is not really for me. But we have to have that personal connection as a coach. But there also, of course, has to be boundaries as mm-hmm. to what they are, right? It's mm-hmm. important for us to know those things. And as someone going to a coach, it's important for you to know your boundaries. 
mm-hmm. because there may be coaches who don't have any. And, you know, if I'm going to have a, a coach, there should be some boundaries that they set. And a good coach, a great coach will have those boundaries like you were talking about. Right. It's important. Yeah. Yeah. And they can communicate those in, in ways that are non-threatening, right? Yes, <laughs> we've got to, we've got to, we've got to protect ourselves too. So yeah, 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 it's good. Erica, you and I can talk for hours and hours on, on this subject that we love, right? Apparently. <laughs> yes, yes. Yes, 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 yes. So how do we, how do we reach out to you? Okay. Uh, how do my listeners who may say, I, I think Erica is, is, is someone I want to be in touch with. I want to maybe get her advice on things or maybe even have her as a coach. How can someone reach out to you? Sure, sure. So uh, you can, the easiest way, I think the simplest way would be to go to my website. It's elementalkinetics.com. And you're going to find all the information you need to know about me personally. And there is uh, there are a couple of free resources, one in particular for coaches about holding space. So it's a free uh, guide for instructors who are looking for creative ways to hold space for their clients and their classes. It's it, it applies to every format that you teach. Nice. And um, you're welcome to uh, check that out. It's in a banner on the website. And I'm working now on a retreat system for group fitness instructors and fitness industry professionals, wellness providers, a retreat coming up in February, mid-February. It's called The Well. And uh, it's a place where we're going to talk about some of the things that we talked about today about safe self-regulation as coaches, how to communicate a little bit more uh, effectively in trauma-sensitive ways. It is a retreat setting in Kentucky, and I'm super excited about it. So I hope people will check that out and maybe join us. It's kind of a VIP experience. So um, that's what's going on. I am on social, on Instagram at at Elemental Kinetics and on Facebook, Elemental Kinetics Move Well. And you can find all, I post there all the time, every day almost. And then of course, my podcast, which is called The Work In. So I hope to reach out and contact these these folks. I loved chatting with you today, Raphael. Really appreciate it. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think next time you and I talk, we're going to have to talk about your podcast. Ooh, I'd love that. (laughs) So we'll have to have session two. (laughs) (laughs) That'd be awesome. Because I I love the fact that you didn't call it workout, but working in. Because that changes the whole dynamic of everything, right? Absolutely. Yeah, I tell people all the time, you got to stop working out and start working in. And and people are like, what? You mean I don't have to sweat? I'm like, yeah, you have to sweat, but you got to do it a different way. (laughs) With more intention, right? That's right. More intention. Exactly. Intention. (laughs) I love it. Erica, thank you so much for today. Really, really. I had a great time. Thank you. Thank you. For enlightening me. And and it's, it's a great connection. Thank you so much. Oh, Raphael, I appreciate it. It's my privilege to be here. All right. Thank you. And you have an amazing day. Thank you. And we shall talk soon. All right. Take care. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I'll be back with a new episode and a new guest. You can find all episodes of the Coaching Call podcast on Apple, Anchor, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, 
and wherever you listen to podcasts. I ask that you please leave me an honest review. This episode was made possible by listeners like you. If you enjoyed this episode, go ahead and buy me a cup of coffee. Make it a large. I'm trying to keep this episode free of advertisements. Anything you can donate to the cause is greatly appreciated. To donate, go to paypal.me backslash Sifu Raphael. Thank you and I really appreciate your help.